Today is a special day. We are going over our power rankings for the top five offenses in the NFL. Now, I need to preface this by saying, I'm going to say this multiple times throughout the video because I know people are going to freak out about the offensive weaponry. If we're just talking about just the surrounding and supporting cast of, of specific quarterbacks, this, could this list will be vastly different, and I'll get into some of the reasons why a little bit later. But when we're talking about the top five offenses in the NFL, we have to talk about the offensive lines. That's Are they not on offense? Hence, offensive line. Like That's such a huge part of this. And they really we have to really make sure that we go through all of the different things here. And uh, we have to incorporate all this. You have to tell all sides of the story. So um, as we go through these, this list of five, again, we will extend that caveat, uh, extend, extend that olive branch of, hey, yes, if this was just talking about supporting cast, some of these uh, offenses would be different. But overall, we're talking about the top five overall offenses in the entire NFL. Number one offense, in my opinion, in the NFL, I think is the Buffalo Bills. Now, you have Stephon Diggs, you have, uh, you know, Josh Allen on that offense, but honestly, you know, that offensive line is pretty good. You talk about Spencer Brown as on that uh, playing that right tackle, had a 62.1 PFF grade last year. Uh, I thought he filled in very nice. You also got Mitch Morris, who had a 63.4 PFF grade last year. Roger Staffold, or Saffold, excuse me, uh, you know, had a 69.3 PFF grade as well. You also had De Deion Dawkins, who, you know, what, what your starting left tackle uh, that played pretty well. Uh, yeah, 77.5 PFF grade, played over a thousand snaps for you yeah so you talk about the entirety of that uh offensive line so and you absolutely love it then we briefly mentioned the weapons you also got Devin singletary but james cook might be the best pass catching running back in this entire draft that nobody's talking about and it's a travesty he's going to add a whole different element to that offense you also talk about gabriel davis we have we, we uh, a couple years ago well, no, it was last year. We talked about the Gabriel Davis effect. Uh, that man is a bad man. He deserves a lot more credit. Jamison Crowder coming in over as well. Dawson Knox. Like, you know, you've got the offensive line. You've got the offensive pieces. Of course, Stephon Diggs, like we mentioned as well. So, you know, and, and Khalil Shakir coming up at a Boise State as well. So, you know, there's a lot of great things going on in this offense. I think it's the best offense in the NFL, especially. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to some of the explanations in here in just a second. Now, why is it? Because... Tyreek Hill left for the Miami Dolphins. He got paid. Okay, so the Chiefs, uh, they're going to count all, uh, and rely on Sky Moore to step up, which I think he can, but I will think I think it will take a little bit to get down that road. So we're talking about specifically the top five offenses right now. Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, are number one. Number two, the Los Angeles Rams. Now, again, we're talking about offensive lines. We're talking about all of the different pieces that go into it. So, you know, obviously at left tackle, you've got Joe Noboom. Uh, you know, honestly, uh it's one of those guys that I thought filled in uh, pretty admirably. You know, uh, you know, I felt like he was one of those guys uh, that when you when you called his name and he had to be it, he had to be that guy. Uh, he was it. You know, I know Andrew Whitworth will be. You know. Uh, I think it's it's kind of funny because he says he was retired, but also it's kind of like the Brett Favre effect, like maybe, maybe, maybe not, who knows. But at this point, I think uh, Joe Noteboom could do a lot of good things for the Rams, uh, and I think he's going to be uh, totally worth I think it was like a, he sent like a three-year, $40 million extension, something like that. I can't quite remember. Uh, but overall... You know, Noah Boom, I think, is going to be able to come in and play very well for the Rams down the line. And then we also talk about uh, a lot of other elements. You know, obviously, you've got uh, a guy like Matt Stafford coming back, who, in my opinion, he was the missing piece for the Rams. He really was. Uh, he was one of those guys that... I. Obviously, he didn't waste his career with the Lions. Uh, he still he won a Super Bowl. He's going to go come back and, and try to get another one. You get Cam Akers at running back. Cooper Cup, who just signed that uh, that nice massive extension here to every single penny of it, winning the Triple Crown last year. You also brought in Allen Robinson the uh, second. I think he's going to I, not even uh, not even revive his career. I think he is going to really take an. Uh, you're going to find another level with Allen Robinson. 
Also, Van Jefferson, he might be one of the most underrated wide receivers in the entire NFL. That, that includes guys like Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, all those guys. So, you know, honestly, I feel like he he was really he had a really big uh, impact for the Los Angeles Rams last year. So, uh, as did Robert Woods. But the point is. I'm really excited about this. Again, Joe Noteboom at left uh, left tackle, uh, David Edwards, Brian Allen, Bobby Evans, Rob Havenstein. What do you have over like a 77.0 PFF grade last year? I love it. This offensive line is good. You've got uh, Tyler Higby at, at tight end as well. So, you know, I it, there's a reason they won the Super Bowl last year. They've still got the weapons. They're still returning a lot of quality players, uh, and I'm excited for it. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen. The Kansas City Chiefs, I feel like they have the potential to have the number one offense in the entire NFL, yes. But you're bringing in a rookie like Sky Moore, you know, I think it will take a little bit to get going. It's, you know, there's a lot of intricacies that go into learning an NFL playbook, uh, but plus at the same time, you got to establish that rapport with a guy like Patrick Mahomes. So I, I'm excited for a, a guy like Sky Moore, but overall, you also have Travis Kelsey that's going to get the ball a lot, as he should. Uh, you'll Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the backfield, uh, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, come, uh, you know, I think is going to step up majorly this year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling coming over from the Packers, you know, uh, and then obviously on that offensive line. I mean, what did they get? I, it was something like, I, I saw some crazy figure. It was like, they got like two, uh, they got, it, we'll run down it. So Orlando Brim, Orlando, Orlando Brown Jr. is one of the best left tackles in the game. He's underrated severely. Joe Thune is, has been one of the best left guards in all of football. Creed Humphrey, Steel, what was it, in like the second or third round last year? Steel. Dude was over a 90.0 PFF grade, easily one of the highest graded centers in all of football. Uh, Trey Smith in the sixth round, he was a bad man coming out of Tennessee. I don't know how he failed in the sixth round. Then you got Andrew Wiley rounding it all up. Uh, a, a fantastic offensive line from top to bottom. You know, I think, again, you got brought you brought in uh, Sky Moore, Josh Gordon. There's a lot going on for this offense. Patrick Mahomes and company, I think they could still get it done. Uh, I think, like I said, I still think they could be that number one uh, type offense in the NFL. Number four, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals, they had questions, but despite their offensive line and how bad it was, Joe Burrow brought him to the Super Bowl. Like, that's all you need to know, essentially, about the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, that's not even, again, counting some of the things that the Bengals did in the offseason to bring in quality guys, you know, uh, that can, like, what is it, Ted Karras, Ted Karras. I, I never get the, the 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 name right of all that, but, you know, uh, you know, I think uh, Ted K, we'll call him Ted K. Uh, but overall, bringing in Ted K to start at center, Jackson Carmen, I think, can do a lot of solid things at left guard. Still, Jonah Williams, love him, absolutely love him. Alex Kappa at right guard, coming over from what was it, the Buccaneers? Absolutely, yes. And then Leo Collins, um, I honestly, what was he? One of the best, highest graded right tackles in all of football a couple years ago. I love it. So, you know, you finally got that offensive line to a degree, to a degree short up. You're going to give Joe Burrow more of a chance to stay upright and deliver strikes to guys like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon in the backfield. Ugh. Ugh, Hayden Hurst at tight end. I know you lost CJ Uzama uh, last year, but Hayden Hurst, I think he could really, uh, I think he could really, uh, I, not replace because it's hard to replace a guy like CJ Uzama, but he he won't make you feel it as hurting. That's for certain. Uh, didn't mean to make that rhyme, but overall, I'm really excited about the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, that offensive line, what can it do moving forward? Uh, but I'm really excited about it. Now, number five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Are we really not going to put Tom Brady on this list at all? Really? That's that's what we're going to do? No, we're going to put Tom Brady on the on this list because you got Mike Evans at wide receiver. And the rest of this offense, you know, it all clicks because of Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette coming in at, and from the backfield. Chris Godwin when he's healthy. Yes, absolutely. Tyler Johnson, so underrated in this NFL. Just give this man the football. You know, Brashad Perriman, who is a valuable, valuable number three at the very least for this team. Scotty Miller um, did some good things as well. You got Russell Gidge over from the Falcons. Cameron Brait uh, at, at tight end. Donovan Smith, you know, Aaron Stine, uh, Stine. He might be my only question about the uh, Buccaneers offensive line, but, you know, Ryan Jensen, Shaq Thompson, Tristan Wirfs, like solid offensive line. All of it put together. You got Tom Brady in the middle of all, in the middle of it all. I love it. So, you know, I get it. We're probably going to get some hate for some of this, but you have to, again, you have to look at the totality of it. You have to look at all pieces here. You know, obviously the weaponry is one big thing. That's a whole nother list if we want to just talk about weapons. But if we're talking about the offensive line, I, we'll bring up a couple of teams. You know, for, for instance, I, I know a, what a team that's probably going to come after us, or, or fans, that is Dallas Cowboys. Okay, yes. But what about that offensive line? You know, I really feel like, you know, there's some good things going going on with the Dallas Cowboys right now, but is Tyler Smith going to be able to come in and start right away? You know, Zach Martin is getting up there. Terrence Steele was serviceable. I had like a 63.5 PFF grade, I think it was, but you know, I still have my questions. You know, uh, how is that offensive line going to come together? Also, Jalen Tolbert, is he going to be able to uh, contribute right away? You know, we got C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, James Washington. Amari Cooper might be a bigger loss than a lot of fans think, but I, I think they're at least a top 10 offense. Absolutely no question in my mind. Another team, the Las Vegas Raiders, my, oh, I, love, I love my Raiders. But at the end of the day, I still have some questions about that offensive line, if we're being honest. You know, I, if we're just talking about weaponry, easy top three unit in the NFL just in terms of the offensive weapons there. But that offensive line, there's some questions. If they can get that solved, if it can stay together, stay healthy, easily easy top three offense in the entire NFL uh, Los Angeles Chargers still have my questions about right tackle I love Storm Norton uh, but I think you know obviously it's time to move on there needs to be another answer uh, answer at right tackle there so you know just to name a couple of other teams you know Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, could be another guy or excuse me you know the Philadelphia Eagles Jalen Hurts will he step up another big question so but that is you know that's the, the things we, we took into consideration you have to put in the offensive line into all of this but that's it that is our top five offenses in the entire NFL let us know what you guys think make sure you guys like and subscribe down below leave a like and a comment it helps people find the show we greatly appreciate all the support that we've gotten and continue to get you guys are truthfully awesome we love every single one of you down in the description below you'll find all of our social media platforms give us a like and a follow there also remember to give us a like and a sub or a listen and sub on itunes and finally if you have anything else you'd like us to cover send us an email at the sportsbp at yahoo.com or put it in the comment section down below and we would love to cover it but let us know what you guys think about our power rankings of our top five offenses in the NFL. Every year, there are a list of teams that honestly could shock a lot of people uh, and, and make some noise uh, in the NFL in the playoff race or whatever. You know, honestly, there was, you know, I think a team like that was the Raiders last year, started out on a three-game winning streak, took a little bit of a dive after, obviously, the whole Gruden situation. We understand all that. But also another team, obviously, the Los Angeles Chargers, that entire division. I'm so excited. Like, uh, we're in, what is this? June is this yeah it's June 13th oh, lord help me uh you know there's a lot still going on in the offseason there's still a lot to be figured out you know teams are still going to look at that personnel all that you know cliche cookie cutter milk toast comment but at the end of the day uh, there are still some sleeper teams and I think two of these teams kind of reside in the same division uh and maybe a little bit of a spoiler alert there but today we're talking about the top three 
our top three AFC sleeper teams. Uh, and I, I'm really excited to cover this today because uh, I think there's a lot of teams that definitely deserve this distinction. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, there was a couple different things for criteria in terms of what we wanted to look at. Uh, you know, obviously, again, teams that uh, had quarterbacks in place that, uh, you know, their defense impro improved or has already been good. And it's one of those things where, hey, one look, it's like the Bengals, the story of the Cincinnati Bengals this last year. You know, they, they got Joe Burrow back, who honestly had a heck of a season. His defense played out of its mind. Uh, definitely a sleeper team. Now we talk about our three top sleeper teams this year. It starts with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, the thing about the Colts is they've been good for, uh, like, their defense has been good for a while. They thought, you know, guys like Phillip Rivers were going to be the answer and all that stuff. You know, Carson Wentz as well. Uh, but now they've got Matt Ryan. And I think the biggest distinction between Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz is, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, you know, brought, brought his team to a Super Bowl. I know Carson Wentz was basically going to be at that point anyway. But at the same time, you know, Matt Ryan, he has experience. I think he's going to do a tremendous job in leading this offense. The defense already is good in, in, in Indianapolis. You know, uh, just top to bottom, I'm really excited about what that will bring overall. But uh, you know, as it stands right now, the Colts, you know, also having, you know, weapons like, uh, you know, Jonathan, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor out there, I think he's going to be amazing. You know, I think he's going to continue to be that bell cow kind of workhorse running back that, you know, Matt Ryan doesn't need to lead the offense and that's perfectly fine. I think, you know, he's at this point in his career where, you know, he realizes that it's going to be a couple coming in and throw uh, a couple of big time throws in a game and I think he still has uh, the talent to do that. And and speaking of talent, he's got the talent around him. We already mentioned a guy like uh, Jonathan Taylor also. Naheem Hines is kind of an underrated running back. They also have Phillip Lindsay as well. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I've been waiting. I have been waiting for Michael Pittman Jr. Just just come out of his shell a little bit. Just be. He's got so much potential. Uh, um, but at the same time, you know, I think Matt Ryan could help unlock that. Alec Pierce, I think, uh, I'm really excited about. I believe the receiver coming out of Cincinnati. Um, you know, Paris Campbell, another wide receiver to, to look out for. So, you know, top to bottom, there's a lot of talent here. Also, Mo Cox is one of the most, the most underrated tight ends in this entire league. Uh, deserves a lot of credit. And I like this entire offensive line as well. But the defense, the defense is great. You talk about Pay, DeForest Buckner on that D-line, Unique Ngagwe, Grover Stewart. Yes, 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 and more yes. Uh, the, you know, linebackers, Darius Leonard, one of the most impactful defensive players uh, in terms of that linebacker position, hands down. Uh, got They brought in uh, Stephon Gilmore as well during the offseason. They got Kenny Moore there at that other uh, corner spot as well. They got Nick Cross in the draft. Like Just top to bottom, uh, I'm so excited about the Colts' future, uh, and I think they've got a lot of things going for them, uh, and that's why I think they are a sleeper team number one to a degree. AFC team number two, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Raiders are a team that when we look at specifically how good this team can be, when you talk about offensively, you know, bringing in guys like Devontae Adams trading for, you know, first and the second, which actually, when you, when you look about it, it wasn't that much. Like, it was a good it was a good haul, but it wasn't that much. I believe, you know, the Vikings got more for, uh, you know, a guy like Stephon Diggs than the Raiders got, or the Raiders had to give up for a, a guy like Devontae Adams, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, or at least it was pretty similar. So, you know, we're talking about a deal here where, you know, you get a, a quality talent that did already have a rapport with a guy like Derek Carr. Uh, after the Henry Ruggs situation, prayers for everyone involved there there was kind of that question okay who's going to be that number one guy that can come in and make plays it's Devonte adams hunter renfro just signed his contract extension as well you've got uh, you know a lot of key pieces that are signed through the next couple of seasons darren waller could he be next maybe but even that defense you know i think that was kind of a big problem obviously you're in the afc west you've got patrick mahomes you've got uh, justin herbert now you've got russell wilson can that defense take a step in terms of its depth chart and i absolutely think it can you know there's a lot of different uh pieces 
pieces to this defense that I don't think a lot of people are considering. And I get it. You know, uh, I think, you know, there is some corners that if you take a look at, you know, guys like Darius Phillips, Rocky Austin, I'm really excited about that. But my thing is, as long as their defense can just make a couple of stops, it doesn't need to be a top 15 unit. Uh, it, well, it needs to be a top 20 unit. If it's a top 15 unit, I think the Raiders are in a Super Bowl. That's how good this offense is. I mean, we've been talking about it at nauseum. You again, all those different weapons and offensive line that I think is good enough. It's good enough, you know, to get it done. Um, you know, and whoever starts at center, whether it's Andre James, Dylan Parham, or whoever, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the Raiders are a team that is definitely a sleeper team um, that could make some noise later on uh, as we get forward. Forward and move forward into the NFL season. AFC team number three, huge sleepers, the Los Angeles Chargers. You talk about a team that really imp- improved on defensively. I mean, I love what the Chargers did defensively. You know, I, I felt like, you know, uh, what was it, Sebastian Day coming over from the Rams? He might be the most underrated signing uh, out of the entire free agency. Also, you got JC Jackson. You traded for Khalil Mack to be running mates with a guy like Joey Bosa. So, you know, there's just so many different things going on in this defense of uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. I'm sorry, whatever. At the end of the day, no pun intended. There is so much talent on this defense, and that was really it. Like, if the Chargers could get a little bit of help defensively and that offensive line, you were encouraged. Uh, you know, right tackle, uh, I, I I like Storm Norton, but there's also a lot of other talent on this team uh, that can definitely start at that right tackle position. So if it doesn't start to go well, put somebody else in. But at the end of the day, there is a lot going on for this defense. You know, that was the main concern for me. Were they going to be able to stop the run? Uh, and now I think they will with guys like Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. SJD. Uh, but overall, you know, you're really excited about bringing in Khalil Mack as well. J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James Jr., Nasir Adderley. Oh, this entire secondary is going to be nasty, um, and it's going to be big time because, you know, you do have all those good quarterbacks in that one division, and I'm so excited for it. Uh, and I think those, those are definitely, um, you know, th- those are definitely all key pieces to this Raiders, de- or excuse me, this Chargers defense that will do some great things. But that's it. Those are our top three AFC sleeper teams. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Make sure you guys like and subscribe down below leave a like and a comment it helps people find the show we greatly appreciate all the support that we've gotten and continue to get you guys are all truthfully awesome we love every single one of you in the description down below you'll find all of our social media platforms give us a like and a follow there also remember to give us a listen and sub on itunes and finally if you have anything else you'd like to cover send us an email at the sportsbp at yahoo.com or put it in the comment section down below and we would love to cover it but let us know what you guys think about our top three afc sleeper teams Once in a while, there are teams like the Cincinnati Bengals that kind of catch the NFL off guard or by storm. Choose whatever cliche saying you want. But at the end of the day, they get the job done. They find a way to make it to the Super Bowl uh, and at the very least are dark horse title contenders and uh, today we're talking about our top three nfc sleeper teams uh obviously our vikings are on here obviously we wouldn't put uh we wouldn't put Kirk cousins on there for no reason but at the same time there's a lot of other teams in the nfc that i think might shock one one of you might shock uh one of these teams might shock you as we get moving forward with this but you know again there are teams that just seem to come out of the blue their defense is is playing just good enough their their quarterback puts that puts them above and beyond the rest of where they need to be we saw it again with the Bengals last year joe burrow played like his hair was on fire his defense played out of its mind it was incredible Uh, honestly what were they one play away from a super bowl last year loved it loved it now they got a better offensive line gonna be a team to watch this year as well it's gonna be uh very interesting to see how everything goes but now today we are talking about our nfc teams uh sleeper teams that you should definitely keep an eye on and it starts with our minnesota vikings you talk about you know listen we are i'm probably one of the toughest people on my vikings just because i've been there man i have been 
I've just I've experienced the pain. I've experienced the disappointment. But you know, the Vikings have the do have a, a little bit of an element of surprise kind of um, well element to their offense and kind of their defense to a, a certain degree. Because when you talk about the rest of this team and, and kind of what you think it will do, uh, obviously you know you're bringing in more of an offensive minded coach in Kevin O'Connell, Quasi Adolfo Mensa bringing in a, a fresh new perspective as well. But Kevin O'Connell, I think, will do just enough to unlock the rest of this Vikings offense. You know, you talk about Kirk Cousins. You know, a lot of people forget Kevin O'Connell was the offensive coordinator in Washington. Or, excuse me, I think the quarterback's coach, I apologize, uh, or something like that, that really helped, you know, Kirk Cousins elevate his game. And I think he could do that in Minnesota. You've still got a, a respectable offensive line. It's been better than years past. It's not top tier by any means, but it is definitely better than it has been in the past, of course. Well, that's not hard. But at the end of the day, there's still excitement around this team. I think that defense with Ed Donatell and company, you know, you got Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith Smith is back. You know, those corners, I think, will figure it out as well. So in, in the interior, guys, uh, I'm really excited for a guy like Harrison Phillips this year. Jalen Twyman, baby, look out. He is going to absolutely demolish the NFL, uh, I think, or at least he's going to be a key rotational player, uh, rather, for the Vikings that I think is going to uh, really turn some heads. But overall, you know, I think the Vikings, you know, if they can get that defense to be a top 15 unit, because it's been a, a lower 20 unit for the last couple of seasons, if they could just a top 15 unit, get some stops, get some defensive turnovers, uh, you know, I, I think that could be really a positive thing because this offense with Kevin O'Connell at the helm, I think it could definitely take off and do some very special things. NFC team number two, the Washington Commanders. Now, I'm going to get some flack for this one, and I completely understand it because I know there's teams like the Philadelphia Eagles out there um, who, you know, the, in the NFC uh, East, excuse me, there's a lot of different teams that you take a look at. You're like, okay, like this could be very interesting when we talk about, you know, this, the Cowboys, the Eagles, you know, uh, maybe an, another team like the Saints could surprise some people. The 49ers are always good. You know, you never know. But if we're talking about a full sleeper team that nobody is expecting, let's think about this for a sec. You bring Carson Wentz in who... Could he revive his career at this point? Possibly. But you've got a respectable team here. You you talk about, you know, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin that's coming in, you know, uh, you know Antonio Gibson. I've been a huge uh, been a huge fan of him ever since he's been in Washington. He loved, he's done a lot of great things there. But, you know, also J.D. McKissick as kind of that backup uh, running back spot that plays out of his mind, plays absolutely out of his mind. It's Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Logan Thomas. By the way, I called Logan Thomas blowing up, but nobody believed me. Um, but then also Chase Young, if he can be healthy, watch out. You know, they've got Fidarius, uh, Fidarian Mathis as well uh, in the draft. Like, this defensive line is nasty. You know, I like Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis. You're really hoping he can really step up in year two uh, and be that guy that they drafted as a former first-round draft pick. But overall, Cameron Curl, a very underrated safety. You know, uh, Kendall Fuller. Like, this defense has the potential. It does have the potential to be something special. If it can get its wits about it, if it can get pressure on the quarterback like we know it can, that defensive line could be fierce. Um, you know, and Carson Wentz, I don't think he's going to have to do anything special. I think he just needs to be in a step above a guy like Taylor Heineke. I think he can be that guy. Absolutely. You know, he's got some wide receivers. I, I like his offensive line. I like his chances there in Washington. And I think he could do some good things with the commanders. I think that the, the commanders are definitely a team uh, that you're going to want to watch out for uh, and make sure that, you know, I, I, don't sleep on them because they could definitely be a, a threat there, especially in the NFC East. Also, NFC team number three, the Carolina Panthers. Now, 
I'm going to get some flack for this one too. But again, if we are talking about full sleeper teams that we were not expecting, uh, I mean, let's be real. The Panthers, uh, they have not by any stretch of the imagination, they have not had the best quarterback situation for at least a while uh, before the Cam Newton, uh, you know, Superman days and all that stuff. But, you know, Sam Darnold's your starting quarterback-ish right now. You've also got Matt Corral. P.J. Walker showed some things last year as well. But overall, you know, if Matt Corral picks up this playbook quickly, and this defense, by the way, this defense, nobody talks about this defense. It was actually a very quick and very productive defense last year uh, that did a lot of good things. They got some help along the offensive line, even though Pat Offline shouldn't be starting at guard. Put, put in Cade Mays or Michael Jordan, one of these guys, please. Just I'm talking about Michael Jordan, the football player, not you know the basketball player. But anyway, overall, you know, there's some good things on this offense. You know, I know that Robbie Anderson, I believe, could have hinted at, at retiring. I, I don't think that is, I don't. I don't think. I mean, it's possible, but I mean, we'll have to see what happens. But even if that does happen, you got Terrence, uh, you know, Terrence Marshall Jr., Shy Smith as well. You know, uh, you know, and you also got DJ Moore who just got paid, uh, and obviously Chuba Hubbard stepped up admirably for a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's also still a good running back. Um, but then defensively, you're still quick. You still got guys that can come off the edge and do a lot of good things. You know, Yetter Gross Metals, I'm excited for him uh, and his future moving forward. Jeremy Chin's a stud. I know Shaq Thompson has been a, a good linebacker for a minute. Also, Brian Burns is one of the most underrated uh, uh, edge rushers out of the entire uh, NFL, and it's an absolute travesty. You brought in Xavier Woods as well from the Vikings. J.C. Horde is looking good as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different pieces to this team. If Matt Carell, you know, can't overtake Sam Darnold, or if, for that matter, if Sam Darnold uh, uh, can play well, this team could shock some people, and I definitely think it's a team you need to keep an eye on because – um, so good things could be coming for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and so, but that is it. That is our top three NFC sleeper teams. Make sure you guys like and subscribe down below. Leave a like and a comment. It helps people find the show. We greatly appreciate all the support that we've gotten and continue to get. You guys are all truthfully awesome. We love every single one of you. Down in the description below, you'll find all of our social media platforms. Give us a like and a follow there. Also, remember to give us a listen and sub on iTunes. And finally, if you have anything else you'd like to cover, send us an email at the sportsbp at yahoo.com or put in the comment section down below and we would love to cover it. But let us know what you guys think about our top three NFC sleeper teams. In the NFL, there are teams that just seem to put it together very easily and other teams that seem to just year by year always be stuck in rebuild mode. And I got to be honest with you, you know, I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, you know, at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of NFL teams like my Vikings, for instance, they're, they're, they're like they're stuck in the middle. They're not bad enough to get like a top five pick, but they're also not good enough to be like playoff contenders. It's, you know, it, it's tough, you know, but at the same time, you know, there's teams that are, that are uh, in rebuild right now, but there's teams that just always seem to be you know teams like uh the jaguars the lions uh you know and don't get wrong don't get me wrong the jaguars were literally in the playoffs uh, as as early as a couple of years ago was it five years ago 2017 they were literally playing for uh to go to the super bowl and then obviously you know ended up losing that game to the patriots but at the end of the day you're in a position where, you know, for these last half decade or, or close to it, you know, the teams like the Jaguars, the Lions, the Jets, uh, you know, and to a degree, the Texans have always seemed to be stuck in rebuild mode. Um, so, you know, why are teams stuck in rebuild mode? Like I said, I think it all starts, the number one, I'm about to give you the most cliche GM response that you can get uh, from any from any new GM that's coming into a new organization. I think it starts with culture. Number one, you have to have a culture that uh, you know wants to 
can encourage players. Players want to go to every day. They want to want to go there to work every day. They want to be a part of that organization. And you know, for the Jets, for the Lions, for uh, the Jaguars, it just I don't know. It, I, I I feel like for those particular organizations, especially for the Jaguars this last season. I mean, we saw what happened with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and everything that kind of went down there. It just it didn't end well. Like I don't think they had a solid culture. I don't think that guys wanted to show up there at the end of the day. And I think it made it tough to go out and play. Uh, you know, and I think obviously there were a lot of distractions. I can tell you from firsthand experience, distractions do definitely play a role. And, and, and so does to coaching for that matter. If you want to go play for a guy, if you want to be a part of that organization, you know, and, and be uh, and give it your all for that particular coach, it definitely plays into it. So, you know, I think it starts with culture. Do you have an organization that players want to be a part of? Do you have a coach that players want to play for? That's a big question. Um, and I think that's kind of the first thing you have to ask yourself uh, as to why certain NFL teams are stuck in rebuild mode. You know, the, obviously the Lions. What was it? A couple of years ago, they had um, you know, well, who was it? Was it Caldwell? Uh, that was actually a pretty respectable coach. I think yeah, Jim Caldwell uh, was uh, was a very respectable coach. I believe he even brought them to the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, there was kind of that. Uh, it was kind of caught me off guard when they decided to fire him. I, I really, honestly, couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, and I felt like they he was really putting together a solid team. They really wanted to play for him. That defense was coming together and then they just let him go so it was kind of one of those things where you know they they had a, a, a solid footing at that one point and then things just seemed to fall apart after that uh, you also talk about the jaguars like we mentioned all of the things that went on last year again i don't think a lot of players wanted to play there uh, you look at uh, teams uh, like uh, the jets you know we just talked about the jaguars you know the jets i think as of recent they've been in rebuild mode because you know obviously zach wilson bringing in a rookie quarterback to be able to be that guy um, right off the bat might not, you know, it's, it's tough for any rookie quarterback to get going. So it's important that you have a guy that they can learn behind and, and have, you know, somewhat of a defense to be able to kind of uh, end pieces for that matter, to be able to help them out. Zach Wilson didn't really have that. So, um, yeah, I, we talked about culture. We talked about going into particular situations, um, you know, a little bit to a degree. And the Houston Texans kind of fit in that mold too. You had a franchise quarterback traded him away. Well, this last, this off season, you traded him away, but you know, obviously there's a whole kind of controversy going on there. You can't tell me though, if, if, and prayers for everyone involved in the Deshaun Watson situation, if this wasn't going on right now, if Deshaun Watson was still on the Texans, they would be at least in the, in the running for a playoff spot, especially in the AFC South. So, I mean, if we're being honest, that's just the harsh reality of it is that I think they would still have a better team around them. I think they would be in a better spot, but Davis Mills is the real deal. But back to the question of why are certain teams stuck in rebuild mode? We talked about culture. We talked about coaching, but I think at the end of the day, you know, another big part of that is, um, you know, is you got to attract players in free agency and, and some of those you know those guys don't want to go to the jaguars they don't want to go uh, to the jets uh, unless there's a, a massive amount of money involved and usually that's how they get those guys um and they don't necessarily uh go out and pan out so you know it's one of those things where if they can get the right guys in there it usually can make uh, a lot of a uh, a lot of a difference but also the most important thing that i think a lot of people are forgetting the draft it's so huge you can be like teams like the jets the jaguars uh you know and all this other plethora of the lions that have had all these early round draft picks but if you don't hit on them it really does hurt your franchise and also it's the fact of well we're actually going to bring up a team that's not even really in, re in rebuild mode we'll bring up a couple for that matter you have to look at the patriots they draft relatively well they have uh you know but they, the really what helps the patriots what keeps them competitive is the fact that bill belichick he has a system in his mind that has 
continually worked for over two decades now, and and for some reason it worked for two decades, excuse me. And they have he brings in players that fits that mold, whether it's a free agent that really hasn't panned out with another team, or whether it's the draft or whatever. He gets the most out of those players. That's one way. I don't think we're going to see another thing like Bill Belichick or another team like the Patriots under his command. But then you look at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, who in my mind have proven to everybody that you do not need to draft guys in the first round in order for them to be able to make a huge difference. Now, obviously, this last year they got a couple of first-round picks, but that is what it is. I think they're the, both of those guys could be big finds as well. But let's just take a look at some of these draft picks over the years from the Chiefs. Okay, we take a look at it. So we're, we're not even going to really talk about 2022 right now. We'll get to that in a second. But you talk about Nick Bolton coming in um, and being a stud at middle linebacker. You talk about Creed Humphrey, a former second-round pick, one of the highest-graded centers in all of football last year. Um, and then you talk about Trey Smith in the sixth round, one of the highest-graded guards in all of the uh, on all of the league last year. The year before that, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You had you know a, a, a good running back that's still uh, you know really getting it done for the team. Uh, Willie Gay Jr. out there playing linebacker form at a solid level. Lucas Neong, uh, you know, I I really uh, I really respect his game. Legereus Sneed, you like just top to bottom. These draft classes are very respectable. The year before that, Nicole uh, Nicole Hardman, excuse me, you know Juan Thornhill, uh, who is in the mix for that safety spot. You know, there's there's just guys that they continually draft well and are able to get. Then we also scroll down. Breland Speaks, all those guys. Derek Anadi, uh, you know, Armani Watts, all these guys. But all these obviously also 2017 and you know Patrick Mahomes was obviously a big reason for that as well but at the end of the day you know you see things with the chiefs they draft well they get and the thing is is they don't get guys just in the first round you don't need to just draft guys in the first round now are they probably the most likely guys to pen out yeah okay I'll, I'll concede that but at the same time as we've seen with the chiefs into a degree with the patriots you can get guys in the sixth seventh rounds that are starters and they fell for whatever reason health concerns whatever it is you can get quality starters in the later rounds that can make a big difference um you know and i think that's kind of what's been kind of going on to a degree so but let's look at you know some of these other teams we hear we'll go ahead and we'll start with the jets um we'll, we'll start with the jets so obviously this year uh they they had a really good draft class you know three first round picks and all that but look before that zach wilson obviously there's a lot riding on him this year you know i think before that they were kind of wondering if sam darnold was going to be that guy and that's another thing too obviously you need to hit on your quarterback position arguably the most important position well it's easily the most important position excuse me uh, in all of football but if you hit on it great you can mask a lot of problems look at the the texans they're a great example of that if you don't hit on it your franchise could be um just down in the dumps for a while but you just take a look at this uh from year to year i mean you talk about you know sam darnold after that you know, brought in quinn and williams uh and they had some good draft picks in here but Denzel Mims hasn't exactly panned out yet um you know and again but the most important thing to take away here is I believe that quarterback position and I think that's why you know the Jets particularly are in that kind of position so um you know they've had some good draft picks uh throughout here and most recently um I felt like last year was was a relatively good year Elijah Vera Tucker being a stud on that offensive line Elijah Moore really excited for what he's going to do um you know Michael Carter he could prove he could be, kind of be a bell cow back uh, to a degree last year and, you know this year three first round draft picks and Ahmad Gardner Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson the second so you know there's a lot of uh, positive uh, positive things going on with the Jets I think Robert Sale is doing a very fantastic job of things but then let's also look at the Jaguars um you know, again, last year they drafted their franchise quarterback. You hope that Trevor Lawrence is going to be that guy if you could get him some help, which they did this year. They helped help show up that offensive line, bringing in guys Luke Luke Fortner in the draft. I was really excited to see him. Also, Brandon Scherf in free agency. Uh, but then you look at the rest of this. You know, over the last couple of years, it's been kind of a tough road to hoe. Josh Allen is kind of one of the lone bright spots here. You know, uh, Juwan Taylor uh, at tackle as well. But Taven Ryan, uh, you know, just back these last couple of years. If you don't hit Leonard Fournette, not even with the team anymore. Jalen Ramsey traded. Like you have 
have to look at the totality of these franchises, how they draft is so important. Uh, and then we'll even just give you a quick look at the Detroit Lions here. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, obviously last year they got Penny Sewell uh, in the first round, who I think is going to be a big reason as to why this offensive line is still, uh, it's one of the best and most underrated units in the entire NFL. But, you know, quarterback has been kind of a tough road to hoe for a while. Uh, well, I mean, you had Matt Stafford, but other than that, um, you know, are you going to, is Jared Goff going to beat that guy? But at the end of the day, you know, I think the Lions have done a lot recently to hopefully get them in a position where, you know, the draft will be uh, and has been good to them. So I think that's a lot of reasons you talk about why these teams, are, uh, certain teams are stuck in rebuild mode. Culture, do players want to be there? Do they want to play for that coach? Uh, can they bring free agents in, uh, you know, and not have to pay them an arm and leg to get there? Um, you know, can they draft well? That's kind of a, you know, I think that's why a lot of these teams aren't necessarily being there. And at the end of the day, again, there's teams around there that have shown ways to get around that. You don't have to draft guys in the first round. Um, you know, even guys like the Chiefs, um, they've seemed to build around Andy Reid like a solid, you know, scouting department, and that has gone has kind of gone around. You saw Ryan Poles get hired by the Bears. Like when you have a good organization from top to bottom, there are reasons that they get hired by other organizations because they see what happened with A, maybe B, that's what they can bring here. I, I never was very good at algebra, any of that stuff, but or 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 school for that matter. But we'll say at the end of the day, there is a there's a um a, uh, I was going to say a pleather. There's a correlation between having a good organization in terms of run uh, from top to bottom, drafting well, bringing in the right guys that want to be a part of the organization, bringing in the right coaches, and developing players. And I think that uh, that I think those are just a couple reasons as to why we think that certain NFL teams are stuck in rebuild mode. But that's it. Let us know what you guys think. Make sure you guys like and subscribe down below. Leave a like and a comment. It helps people find the show. Greatly appreciate all the support that we've gotten and continue to get. You guys are all truthfully awesome. We love every single one of you. Down the description below you'll find all of our social media platforms so give us a like and a follow there also remember to give us a listen and sub on itunes and finally if you have anything else you'd like us to cover send us an email at the sportsbp at yahoo.com or put it in the comment section down below and we would love to cover it but let us know what you guys think why certain nfl teams are stuck in rebuild mode